actually thought about preaching on his sin. His wife gave me a list, but the list was so long. I just, you know, no, we, we kidded about that in the text message a month or so ago, and a preacher said that I would definitely need more time to preach that message to get ready, and um, he said you might even re- preach a series. And, so, <laughs> and I kind of agree with that because I have the same problem, amen. We all do. Take your Bibles tonight turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, our text verse for these Wednesday night messages. We're just going to read it and kind of use it as a launching off place if we might and just hope the Lord will use this to be an encouragement to all of us. We live in a wicked world tonight and it's getting worse. We're on a downhill skid, it seems like, in our country, in our world. But that's not the time for God's people to bury their head in the sand. In fact, it's the time for us to shine our light brighter than it ever has before. And I'm praying this message will encourage us to do that, that very thing. If you would stand with me, Philippians chapter number 3, verse number 13. The Bible says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Notice again this one thing. Preacher, I thought, how do you narrow a message down to just one thing? It's almost an impossibility, but I'll do the best that I can tonight. Uh, If you'll turn with me now to James chapter 4 while you're standing, James chapter number 4, and this is really probably our text verse for tonight, James chapter 4, and look with me in verse number 14. James chapter 4, verse number 14. The Bible says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. I'd like for you to pay particular attention to the words, a little time. A little time. The title of the message tonight, and it's actually the first two points in the message, is simply this. Life is short, time is running out. Life is short, time is running out. Let's bow together for prayer. Father, thank you for the privilege to be in this place tonight with thy people. Lord, would you help us tonight? Would you shine the light of Scripture, shine the light on the Scripture, and help us to understand? the message that you have for us. Lord, I pray for every home and every family, every individual Christian here tonight, Lord. I pray for our pastor, our staff, our entire church family. Lord, may you do a work in our lives tonight. May you do more than just stir us, Lord. I pray that by thy Holy Spirit, Lord, you might truly change us, make us more like our Savior. We pray all of it in your precious and holy name. Amen. God bless you. Please be seated. You know, in trying to prepare for this message tonight, I actually wanted to preach out of a different passage in Psalm 23. Verse 6, where the Bible says, Surely goodness goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Especially that part that says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I was going to speak on how good God has been to me. How good God has been to you. God's grace and God's mercy has followed me everywhere I go. All of the time. 
for my entire life. Hasn't God been good to us? We ought to praise God tonight for his goodness and say hallelujah to the Lord for his mercy to us. God giving to us what we don't deserve is grace and God not giving to us what we do deserve is mercy. My salvation, your salvation. I think of my wife tonight who wanted to be here but was not able to because of the weather. My three daughters, my family, my parents, my brothers and sister, and on and on I could go with how good God's been to me. Speaking of my wife, I thank God for her. She's watching tonight. Outside of my salvation, she's the best thing that's ever happened to me. In fact, I remember when I first met her, right here in this church auditorium, back there in the back part of the this side of the auditorium before this remodel, actually before the first remodel. We had the balcony that extended and the pews were underneath the balcony there. It's been nearly 37 years ago. My wife's getting old. <laughs> She's not here, so I can say that, amen. Is there somewhere I could stay tonight by chance? I don't know if I want to go home. But the first time I met her, I was not interested in her. I was introduced to her, and um, she was 15 years old. I was 20 years old. I was not interested. But a few years later, I became greatly interested. I remember trying to win her heart. We dated for a couple of years, and I remember writing her a Valentine's poem, Valentine's Day poem, and I actually found that poem, and I brought it with me. Would you like for me to read it to you? Well, remember, you asked for it. And dear, this is for you at home. I pray to bless you like it did the first time I read it to you. Collards is green. My dog's name is Blue. I'm so lucky to have a sweet thing like you. Your hair is like corn silk a-flapping in the breeze. Softer than blues without all them fleas. You move like the bass, which excite me in May. You ain't got no scales, but I love you anyway. You're as satisfying as okri, just a frying in the pan. You're as fragrant as snuff right out of the can. For you have some of your teeth, for which I'm proud. I hold my head high when we're in a crowd. On special occasions when you shave under your arms. Well, I'm in hog heaven, and I'm awed by your charms. Still, them fellers at work, they all want to know what I did to deserve such a pretty young doe. Like a good roll of duct tape, you're there for your man. To patch up life's trouble, fix what you can. You're as cute as a June bug a-buzzing overhead. You ain't mean like them far ants I found in my bed. A cut from the best cloth like a plaid flannel shirt. You spark up my life more than a fresh load of dirt. When you hold me real tight like a padded gun rack, my life is complete, ain't nothing I lack. Your complexion is perfection like the best vinyl siding. Despite all the years, your age, it keeps a hiding. Men use like a moon pie with an RC cold drink. We go together like a skunk goes with stank. Some men, they buy chocolate for Valentine's Day. They get it at Walmart. It's romantic that way. Some men get roses on that special day from the cooler at Kroger 
That's impressive, I say. Some men buy fine diamonds from a flea market booth. Diamonds are forever, they explain, suave and couth. But for this man, honey, these won't do because you're too special, you sweet thing, you. I got you a gift without taste or odor, more useful than diamonds. It's a new trolling motor. Years ago. <laughs> and by the way, the poem worked. I won her heart. She's been with me ever since. In all seriousness, God has been good to me, and God has been good to you. But that's really not what I'm preaching about tonight. So let's get to the message. Notice in James chapter 4 and verse 14, we read the verse where it says, A little time. I want to illustrate tonight, if I might, and I'm not sure how this is going to work. I've got a PowerPoint, one slide, and we'll see if I can make it work from where I am. I think I'm supposed to be able to. If not, we'll just skip it. It's looking, Brother Bo, but it hasn't found it. We'll skip it. That's all right. I was going to illustrate the slide in this way. Have you ever thought about how short life is? Life is short, very short. How many of you had to go to the gas tank recently and fill up your vehicle? And you ache in pain while you have to pay for it. You know, we fill, oh, there it's working, it's slow. There we go, let's try it. It's not working, let's just, don't, there it is, okay, thank you. I'm slow too, so. This is what your gas tank looks like when it's full. When your gas tank is full, you can go a long ways usually on a tank of gas, some vehicles more than others. But you and I both know that as we use the gas tank, and we drive places, this thing's not working. Let's just turn it off because this is gonna be a distraction, okay? Go ahead and turn it off. Let's, it's going to be a distraction. It's not going to work right. Thank you. But when you fill up a gas tank, you begin to drive through the week. Some of us usually fill up maybe once a week. We might have to fill up twice a week, depending on how big the gas tank is. But you ever thought about life like a gas tank? When you and I were born, God gave us a full tank of life. The Bible talks about it in Psalm chapter 90 and verse number 12. In fact, turn there if you will. Verse number 10 and verse number 12. Psalm 90 and verse number 10 first. Give you a moment to find it. Psalm chapter 90 and verse number 10. The Bible says the days of our years are three score years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. And down in verse 12, the Bible says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. So 70 years, the Bible says, and maybe 80 years. As you think about a gas tank being depleted as we drive, day in and day out, week in and week out, and we have to go fill up with more gas on a regular basis. Life is like that. We start with a full tank of life, 
And as the years go by, and they go by very quickly, our tank of life begins to run out. We begin to get down to three-quarters of a tank, and we're about 18 years old, according to this verse. When we get into our mid to late 30s, we're about half a tank full. We get to the, around the 54, 55-year-old age, something like that, we're about a quarter of a tank full. And we're getting depressed now, aren't we? And as we get closer to that age 70 in the Bible, it's almost like our tank's almost empty. I remember when I turned 50, I was passing a church at the time, and the music director there turned 50 a week later than I did. We're almost the same age. And they did a special birthday party for us there at the church at the same time, and one of the secretaries walked up to me and said, Brother Gary, you need to understand something when you hit 50. It's all downhill after that. And she was exactly right. Let me ask you people that are 50, 60, 70 years old. Remember when you were 20 and 25 and 30? Did you hurt in places when you were 20, 25, and 30 that you now hurt in at 50, 55, and 60, and 70? Yeah, it's different. It's harder. It's tougher as you get older. The whole point of the PowerPoint was going to be just to illustrate for us that life is short. It doesn't take very long for it to pass us by. I remember just yesterday I was a small boy running around barefooted with my brothers, playing football in the front yard, riding bicycles and skateboards, exploring in the woods, catching tadpoles and minnows. We'd take the window screens off the window and go down to Gordon's Creek and We'd catch tadpoles and minnows and sometimes snakes. That was just yesterday. I remember walking to Grace Christian Elementary School and taking the shortcut through the woods to get there, riding the bus to this church as a bus kid. It was just yesterday. I remember getting saved right here, right under this platform on this side of the pulpit, 36 and a half years ago. I remember that. It was yesterday. I remember getting married right here 32 plus years ago. 30 years ago, my first child, Daphne, was born, a preemie. Less than two pounds, not sure she was going to live or die. Then 10 and a half months later, a second daughter was born, Danielle. By the way, that was a good year. I had two tax deductions in the same year. Big refund. Eight years later, 22 years ago, our third daughter, Deborah, was born. God's been so good to us. But all of this was just yesterday to be. How many of you remember your life like that? It just seemed like a few moments ago you were a child, you were running, you were playing, you were, had no cares and no worries. You didn't have any bills to pay, praise the Lord. It would be nice to go back to those days, wouldn't it? All yesterday. The point is this, life is short. 1 Corinthians 7, 29, the Bible says, but this I say, brethren, the time is short. In our text verse, it says, life is like a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Someone put it this way, when as a child I laughed and wept, time crept. When as a youth I dreamed and talked, time walked. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. And later, as I older grew, time flew. Soon I shall find, while traveling on, that time is now gone. 
three score and ten. If by reason of strength they be four score years, the Bible says, we should number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Life is short. The second thing tonight is time is running out. Did you know as each day passes us by, we're one day closer to the end of our lives? Well, that's not morbid. Because, folks, what happens at the end of our lives for the child of God is anything but morbid. We get to go into the very presence of God Almighty himself, the throne room of heaven. We'll see the Lord. We'll see God face to face. There's nothing better than that. But time is running out. Reminds me of the man who went for his annual physical. He got, his phone, got a phone call from his doctor the very next day. And Doc said, I've got some bad news for you, I'm afraid. And the man said, what's the news? And he said, well, the doctor said, you've only got 24 hours to live. That is bad news, said the man, shocked. And the doctor said, I'm afraid I've even got worse news. He said, what could be worse than that? Only got 24 hours to live. The doctor said, well, I've been trying to call you ever since yesterday. <laughs> it's pretty bad news. Let me ask you a question tonight. If you knew you only had 24 hours to live, would you live life differently? What would you change? What would you begin? What would you stop doing? If you knew you were about to go off into eternity and meet God, who would you talk to about Jesus? Who would you tell that you love them? Who would you share the gospel with? Would your priorities change? If you only had 24 hours left to live. For what is your life? It is even the vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. I don't know how long any of us have to live. None of us do. I know of a preacher who preached here in this church dozens and dozens of times through the years in the 90s and 2000s who preached a message similar to this the last message he ever preached he died of a massive heart attack just a day or two later went out into eternity he didn't know that would be his last message I don't know, but what this is my last message. I have no idea. Now, I pray to God it's not, amen. And I'm in no hurry to leave. But you know, we don't know, do we? So if we only had 24 hours to live, what would you do differently? Sometimes young people think they're going to live forever. And by the way, us old people know what you're talking about because we were young once too but we blinked and life has passed us by time is short life is short time is passing us by it's running out so with that said life is short time is running out I only have two more points to apply those thoughts and those truths and the first one is this since life is short and since time is running out, if you're not saved, get saved now. 
Don't play games with your soul. Don't listen to the lie of the devil that you've got plenty of time to take care of that. You don't know that you've got plenty of time. If you're here tonight, and I know this is a Wednesday night crowd, and these are the faithful ones here at our church, and of course we've got other faithful people that could not be here tonight, I realize that. But we don't know when the end is going to come, but don't let the devil tell you that you've got plenty of time to get saved. You don't know that. And let me say something, when you draw your last breath and your heart beats for the last time, there is no more opportunity to trust Christ. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, yes, but if you're lost, to be absent from the body is to wake up in hell. Oh, may God help us, help all of us to make sure that we know that we know that we know that we're saved. If you don't know that tonight, if you're not sure, if you're unsure, talk to somebody. Uh, talk to your wife, talk to your husband, talk to your children, talk to your parents, talk to the preacher, talk to somebody. Get it settled tonight. I remember hearing the story years ago about Dr. Bob Gray out in Jacksonville, Florida, preaching. Preaching a message on hell, if I recall. Been passing there a number of years. He's in heaven now. But to his shock and to his dismay as he preached on a message called about hell, in the middle of the message, his wife came running down the aisle, weeping uncontrollably. And some of the ladies dealt with her, and the preacher found out what, was, what his wife was upset about, and she says, I'm not going to hell for anybody. I'm getting saved tonight. And she did. She got saved. You know, it's a good thing when the preacher's wife's saved. Amen? I'm glad our preacher's wife is saved. Glad mine is. Listen, get saved. If you're not sure you're saved, don't leave this place without knowing for sure. Why? Life is short. Time is running out. Kindergarten teacher went out on a little jog a few days ago in her own neighborhood had no idea what was going to happen to her now she went out into eternity left behind a husband and children an entire neighbor, neighbor or community that loved her folks we don't know about any of us so if you're here tonight and you don't know for sure you're saved whether you're a young person middle aged person or an old old codger get saved tonight before it's too late. Trust Jesus. Don't trust your church membership. <laughs> Don't trust the baptistry water. Dr. I. Lacey used to say you could get baptized so many times that the frogs know your social security number and you still won't go to heaven by baptism. He's exactly right, he was. Get saved tonight. Don't trust your membership in this church. This church can't get you one inch toward heaven. It's Jesus. And I know we know that here, but don't Play games with your salvation. Make sure you know that you're saved. Number two, or number four actually, the last point. Since life is short, since time is running out. And it is. Number three, get saved now if you're not saved. Number four, child of God. And this is where I want to stay for a moment. Why don't we just get totally right with God now? totally right with God now and I'm preaching to myself here now 
I wonder how many of us could stand if we were asked to tonight. I'm not going to ask you to, but I wonder if we could. And say, I'm 100% right with God at this very moment. I'd probably, I'd have to sit down. I'm the only one standing right now, but I'd have to sit down. Are you right with God tonight? Is there some sin you're battling with that you're struggling with? It's become a stronghold in your life. And you can't get victory over it, it seems. And no matter what you do, you always go back to that sin. Get victory over it tonight. By the way, it's yours to have. It's yours for the taking. Jesus has already given you the victory when he died on the cross. That's what Romans 6 is about. That's what Romans 8 is about. We're free from the power of sin. We don't have to let sin have dominion over us. Why? Because we've got the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. We can be victorious Christians. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Preacher preached it Sunday. We can do all things through Christ. And without him, we can do nothing. May God help us tonight. Get totally right with God. I think of all the excuses in my life that I use. I know none of you do, but I have excuses for why I'm not right with God sometimes. I tend to find some reason at work or some reason with maybe some family relationships I have or just the stress of life and the busyness of life and all that's going on. and I tend to excuse my sin and excuse my lack and excuse my uh, not giving my all to God sometimes and not being sold out to God and not being surrendered to God and yielded to God like I ought to be and not living in the presence of Jesus moment by moment. I tend to make excuses about that. Do you? Do you make excuses like that? You know what we all do tonight? Get rid of all those excuses. Just come clean and get totally right with God. Be a saved, sold out, separated, surrendered child of God. May God help us. What's the Bible say? Go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter number 12, familiar verse. Verse number 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. In other words, because of the previous 11 chapters, as the Apostle Paul talks about sin and talks about justification and talks about salvation and that we're saved, and by, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your body a living sacrifice. Like they would sacrifice animals on the altar in the Old Testament. You and I ought to sacrifice ourselves, not physically, not literally, but spiritually, die to self every day. Yield ourselves to God every day. Walk in the power of the Holy Spirit every day. This is where we miss it. We get up, we get going, 
We go through the course of the day at work, at school, whatever we're, we're doing for the day, whether it's a weekday or a weekend, and we go days and days and days sometimes and don't even think about the Lord. May God help us. May the Lord help me. Time's running out. Life is short. We need to be totally right with God now. You see, there are three unavoidable, inescapable appointments for all of us made by God. The first appointment was the day of our birth. We had no say-so in it. God chose it. Mine's December the 9th, 1965. Write that down if you want to. December the 9th, 1965. My wife, September the 16th, 1970. She's mad at me now. I just told her age. But the day of our birth, the second appointment is the day of our death. None of us know when that day is. It might be today for someone in this room. I'm not trying to be, again, morbid or, or spooky. I'm just trying to remind us of a reality that we do not know. What is our life? It is a vapor that appeared for a little time and then vanisheth away. The third appointment is found in Hebrews 9, 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, that's the second appointment. The rest of that verse says, but after this, the judgment. The third appointment is this, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. If you're saved tonight, you and I are going to stand before the Lord. And we're going to give an account. Not of our sins, thank the Lord. All that was taken care of at Calvary. But for our service. For our service. That's why the church theme now is when. We ought to find our now. We ought to know what our now is. And whatever it is, we ought to do it now. Why? Because life is short. Time is running out. Do not saved, you need to get saved now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Don't put it off. Don't listen to the devil. He'll have you put it off all the way to hell. And last of all, child of God, if we're not right with God tonight, and I would suspect, and I'm not trying to be unkind, that none of us are what we ought to be. That none of us are totally right with God in every area of our lives. Our thought life, what we look at, the things we listen to. Here's a big one. Read the book of James, the things that we say. May the Lord help us. I don't really know what the judgment seat is going to be like except that I know that we're going to be judged for our service. I believe it will take place during the seven-year tribulation time. 
before the second coming of Christ, before the millennial reign, sometime during that period, before the marriage supper of the Lamb, I believe that's when the judgment seat will take place. I might be wrong about that. But I do know this, we're going to stand in front of Jesus and we're going to give an account. Wouldn't it be a blessed thing for you and I to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. There's never been a sentence or a phrase or words that will ever be spoken to us that will do more for us and mean more to us than that. We could hear God say, the Lord himself, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I know some Christians that are much better Christians than me. It wouldn't take much to be better than me. I'm thinking of one right now. I won't call their name, but they go to church here. And I suspect that at the judgment seat of Christ, if, if we were standing in a line, I'm not sure how it's going to happen, if it's going to be an individual one at a time before the Lord. I mean, time doesn't really doesn't mean anything in heaven, so but I don't know how it's going to happen. If it's all going to happen at one time for the whole human race, I don't know. But I suspect that if we were standing in a line, preacher, I'd be way in the back when he's handing out awards. And I mean that. I think there's some folks in this church, maybe many folks in this church, that'll be up front receiving crowns. I don't know how it's going to be. But I sure would like for it to be where all of us would hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many. Do you know for sure tonight that you're saved? But what if the trumpet sounded in the next few moments? What if we had less than 24 hours to live? Are we right with God tonight? Is there some sin that nobody else knows about but God knows? Could we make it right tonight? Life is short. Time's running out. Let's pray together.